I have to say myself that I would not claim to be a great prayer. But I know others in the room here who have, over their life, given themselves to prayer. And I want to thank them for that. I am probably here myself because of the prayers of some old saints. But I know there will also be other people here who would really love to pray in a more meaningful way. So that's why I'm here to try and help you. I shall be sharing a little of my own journey, bits and pieces of it, but I, what I really want you to get is about prayer in the Bible. Okay, that's so, so yes, I'm sharing bits and pieces of myself, but what I really want you to get is the principles that I'm going to hopefully show you in the Bible. Let me just remind you, we've been looking at this letter of James, and this week is, is the very last one of them. But James was the half-brother of Jesus, and he pops up now and again in the Gospels, He's not terribly favorable towards Jesus. He has a sort of a, Jesus is his older half-brother, and he sort of thinks, well, who, uh, who, who, who is he? You know, well, who does he think he is? But actually, after the resurrection, James had his own very powerful encounter with the risen Lord Jesus. And James goes on to be the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And when we read the accounts of that church at the beginning of Acts, we see there, there are recorded for us examples of really dynamic, powerful prayer meetings, the building shakes, things like that. And James was leading that. And James himself went down in history as camel knees. Because when he finished his life, his knees were worn and leathery for the amount of time he'd spent on them in prayer. So I think James has got quite a lot to teach us about prayer. Um, let's just start by reading the passage that we have this morning. Um, it's James 5 and verses 13 to 20. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins." 
There's a couple of phrases that really stand out to me in this passage. Verses, the end of verse 16 into 18. That's, that's the bit I really want to emphasize. But it tells us that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And James chooses Elijah as an example. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. So if, I, if we want our prayers to be powerful and effective, I think we have to look into this. And I have three main headings. Elijah was a man just like us, and he prayed. Then there's another man just like us, Jesus, and he prayed. But actually, Jesus is special. He is also the Son of God. And he does something more than just give us an example of a prayer life in the Gospels. Even today, he is interceding for us. So let's start with Elijah. Elijah was a man just like us. And we read his story over several chapters in 1 Kings. He was a prophet during the reign of a wicked king, King Ahab. And actually, Elijah was instrumental in turning the wayward nation of Israel back to God. James here tells us that Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah knew frailties. In the account of his life in these chapters in Kings, we see that he had some great spiritual highs, great spiritual moments where he called down fire from heaven. But actually, dear old Elijah, he had some really black days as well. So I think most of us can associate with him. But do you know what? Elijah prayed biblical prayers. And that's what I want to look at. How did Elijah pray biblical prayers? James here tells us that Elijah prayed fervently or earnestly that it wouldn't rain. And he's referring here to a particular incident in Kings. And I have two verses that I just want to look at. 1 Kings 17.1 and 1 Kings 18.1 and 2. And I'll read it for you. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, that's King Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. And then later it tells us that after a long time, three and a half years, in the third year, the word of the Lord came again to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now, why, where does Elijah get this idea of it not raining from? How is it he can go into King Ahab? I mean, I bet his knees were trembling. I bet he was praying fervently. But how can he go in there so boldly and announce that it is not going to rain? Well, at this time, uh, when Elijah was prophet, 
the nation of Israel was steeped in idolatry. But Elijah would have known he's the old scriptures. And there's a verse, a couple of verses in Deuteronomy 11, which are going to go up for us. Deuteronomy 11, 16 and 17, where God warns the nation, be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. And then the Lord's anger will burn against you. And he will shut up the heavens so that it will not rain, and the ground will yield no produce, and you will soon perish from the good land that the Lord has given you. So Elijah knew those, that, I mean, it's a warning, but it's also a, a sort of a promise. Elijah took hold of that, and there was obviously a rightness and a timing in God but Elijah had confidence in God's word, and he, he could pray confidently and fervently because it's based on a biblical promise. And he took action on it in the end. He marched into King Ahab. Actually, his life would have been at stake. But the point is that I believe we are on good ground when we pray from the Bible, when we pray prayers that are based on the Bible, when we use the framework for our prayers, when we use the Word of God as a framework for our prayers, because it's God's Word, and if we're praying around that, my assumption is we must be praying in line with God's will. Now, Terry Virgo, many of you will know the name Terry Virgo, but he is really the founder and father of New Frontiers. And he spoke at uh, Bible Weekend West Point last year. He spoke at one of the morning sessions and he spoke on a praying community. And all I can say is that I found it a truly apostolic, authoritative word. It, it touched my heart deeply. Actually, I was in, I was in tears at the end of it. He, he just expounded about prayer in such a magnificent way. If you've not heard it, you weren't there, you can still find it. You will find it online on the, on the West Point, on the commission website. I can't quote exactly, but Terry said things like this. We are praying not just to a personal saviour. We are praying to the cosmic Christ. So prayer is responding, Terry said this, prayer is responding to the fact that God has spoken. It's responding to the revelation he has given of himself. Prayer is not just asking for help, but it is responding to what God has said and pulling that into being. And Terry went on and he says, God says things to invite our prayer. He says things to draw us on, on a path of discovery. He is inviting us to take hold of him, to press in and take hold of him. So once we grasp who God is, that he is the cosmic Christ, that he is much, much more than just a helper in difficult times, 
but that he has all authority on earth and in heaven, and that his name is far higher than every other name, and that his, his, his is the ultimate power and the ultimate authority in all the universe. And when we know that God, God's character is bound up in his word, we too can take his promises and pray them into being. I'd just like to suggest several ways we can do this. We can take literal promises, promises about provision, for example, and we can say, Lord, you said. We can pray a literal verse back to God. There are promises about provision, promises about unsaved relatives. Do you know, there are promises about victory over sin. How often do we pray about that? There are promises about deliverance from fear, about guidance. There are promises, too, about, he- about healing and health. That's one way. Another way we can pray is to take... Actually, in the New Testament, there are many, many model prayers that particularly the Apostle Paul gives us. And we're just going to put one up here. A good example is this Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. Okay, can we have Ephesians 3 up? Will it come? I've got it here if not. I'll read it. For this reason, this is Paul praying, and he writes down the prayer. I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Now, I guess we often have people saying to us, please, would you pray for me? I've got an interview on Thursday. Fair enough. But how often do we pray this type of thing for our friends? This is far, far more important in the long run. And then I believe there's another way we can pray as well, based on a biblical framework. We can take actual scenarios in the Bible as an inspiration for prayer, and we can pray into being what we want to see happening in our own setting. Now, I can remember God speaking to me many, many years ago about the church. I grew up in a small little church, and it really didn't have much much hope, idea of the future, much, it had some theology, of course, but it kind of, you kind of got the impression that we're a little band of Christians holding on until Jesus comes back again. Well, in my early, in our early married life, I was captured by a vision for a glorious church. The church is the bride of Christ. When Jesus comes back, she's going to be ready. So my whole thinking, my whole 
belief system, as it were, changed about that. And do you know what? Now, even now, I would pray, I pray for Hope Church Winchester based on what I see in in the Acts of the Apostles. The Acts tells us all about the beginnings of the early church, the church in Jerusalem, and also further on, the church in Antioch. And they are brilliant churches. You read the detail between the lines. We see that people are regularly, in large numbers, many cases, saved and baptized and added to the church. We do pray that, I know, but let's pray it more. Actually, I've mentioned they had dynamic prayer meetings where direction came, where the Holy Spirit spoke, where, where the building was shaken and they saw tongues of fire, the coming of Pentecost. But let's pray. How often do we pray for the, do we pray for the prayer meeting? We might pray for Sunday morning, but do we pray for our church prayer meetings that God will really visit us and come among us and do dynamic things among us. Actually, all through Acts, there is lots and lots of Holy, of Holy Spirit activity. The signs and wonders, the, the, uh, the first apostles, they, they preach the resurrection. God backed it up with signs and wonders. There, there are things like prison doors opening. There's divine transportation. Philip was taken and I don't know how, he didn't know how he got there, but uh, I think it was Joppa he ended up in. Another thing about this, these early churches, they were held in high honour in the wider community. So let's pray, and we do. And we do have, I know, an increasing good reputation in the city here. The widows, the poor, were well cared for in those days. And maybe to top it all, in both those churches, we see multi-gifted leadership. And that leadership, they had an eye on the nations. And we need to keep on continually pushing out our boundaries, our horizons. So let's just say, finally, about Elijah and and this, this bit. The Bible is a book all about God, where he reveals his will and his purposes. And if something is written there, we can take hold of it and take it as a framework for our prayers, just like Elijah did. Well, not only Elijah prayed, but Jesus too. He prayed, but he was a man just like us. So Jesus was a man just like us. And I just want to show you that, a couple of, a couple of quick verses he, in Hebrews. It says here, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared their humanity. He became just like us. And he had to be made fully human in every way in order that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest. He knows what life is like, just like we do. He, and he particularly, I believe, he understands our frailty and our weakness when it comes to prayer. But, you know, as we begin to look at Jesus, he didn't put heavy loads on people like the scribes and the Pharisees. 
He didn't teach that prayer is a dry and burdensome routine thing, but rather it's an attitude of continual communication with the Father in heaven. And we have lots of little snippets through the Gospels of Jesus' own prayer life. Do you know he often prayed early while it was dark? He prayed in every circumstance, sometimes for an extended time, all night. Sometimes he prayed on the spot. He prayed alone, he prayed publicly, and he prayed with others. It's a real, all-rounded prayer life. Now, I know many Christians discipline themselves to get up early to pray. There is a great benefit in that, and I admire them. (laughs) I'll come on a bit more to that in a minute. But that's how Jesus found time away from the crowds. And if you love someone, it goes without saying that you will make time for them. Actually, John and I have to plan time in our diary to see our children and grandchildren. If we didn't, it wouldn't happen all that often. And do you know what? It may come as a surprise to some of you. John and I went to a wedding on Friday, and that couple, you could tell, they were head over heels with each other in love. And it may come as a surprise... But actually, as marriage goes on, we're over 40 years now, I am guessing that most married couples have to be intentional about their intimate life. So it's not so much the discipline we're after, but it is about what I should call intentional intimacy in our relationship with Jesus. Now, this series is called The Real Deal. Here it is, The Real Deal. And I have to be honest about myself. I am not good first thing in the morning. I am not an early, early prayer person. I've tried, but it doesn't quite work. I do, I do like to read the Bible fairly early, but more serious prayer comes later. Now, undoubtedly, my own prayer life has been shaped by, by major incidents in our life. And for me, I have to admit and tell you that it grew enormously out of a family crisis. At the time, um, we lived near the sea, and I would find myself going out of the house after breakfast and walking along the beach and just pouring out my heart to God. God heard my anger. I was angry. God heard my rantings and ravings. And it seemed to be a good place to me. The wind and the waves, they drowned out a lot of my cries. I tussled with God in those times. I did battle with the enemy. And actually, God did a very, more than I expected. It wasn't the answer I was looking for particularly, but God did a deep, deep work in my own heart. He dealt with me in my inner being. 
And I would say that that you, you don't always get what you ask for. God often deals with you more than the person perhaps that you're praying for. But also, I have to say, God was very, 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 very gracious. I'm still thankful to this day. He brought about an amazing string of events. And it's more than I could possibly, possibly ever have thought of or imagined. So I thank my God for that. Okay, I do pray at other times besides... Out walking. So out walking is one is what I'm saying. My my best best times are not on my knees early in the morning. My best times, and they still are. And this is where it was born. Really, are out walking on my own. I find somehow I connect with God in a more meaningful way in that setting. Let me just say, as a quick aside, start where you're at. Don't set goals that are so high that you can't keep them. If you're, I know the pressures of, of everyday life. I know the pressures of family. If you've got young children and you've not really got into a, much of a habit, just start with a couple of times a week with God, with your Bible and praying. Start where you're at. Not set a goal too high. Remember, what, we, what you're after is emotional intimacy, not a hard, rigid routine. Right, we must get back to Jesus. Jesus teaches us how to pray, and we'll all be familiar with, with the Lord's Prayer. I'm not going to deal with it in any detail. It's a whole sermon in itself. But surely the points in the Lord's Prayer must be the points that Jesus considers important And could we... uh, Yeah, okay, that's fine. So this is the little bit that I want to focus on. Matthew 6, verses 9 and 10. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I feel that this has to be an overriding principle above all our prayers that we keep in mind that we are seeking the honour of Jesus' name. We're praying for his will to be done. We're praying for his kingdom to become, to come on earth. If we're praying like that, and we really mean it from our heart, we must be on the right track. We have to ask, what is God doing in our day? What is his kingdom agenda for, for us as individuals and for us as a church? How is the, is the gospel going to be advanced in our generation? And if we're putting his kingdom first, above all our personal desires and concerns, then we must be fitting in with God's, God's great agenda. And, it, and surely it must be lining up with things that God, he can answer. Now, God is our Heavenly Father, and he does want the best for us. So we can cry out to him in our pain. We can cry out to him in our needs. We've had needs expressed this morning. Kirsty, but she's great. She knows God's in control. We must ultimately trust God for his agenda and his timing on things. 
So let's seek to pray, your kingdom come, your name will be done, even around our own personal prayers. And how do we pray? How do I pray? I do have a prayer list, but I don't pray everything every day. I will tend to pray around a topic. So I might pray around family members. I might pray for the church. I might focus one time on praying for other people that, that perhaps have asked me to pray or who I feel led to pray for. I must say again, I am not so good on praying for our nation, national things, world issues. That is not one that I find easy and maybe it's an area that I need to stretch in. But I try to be led by the Holy Spirit. It is great if you can pray in tongues because praying in tongues is the Holy Spirit praying through you. And I often find out of praying in tongues that I'm actually praying then in English and it seems more purposeful. I think God shows you things. He shows you what you're praying. And it may be that you... You find a particular verse that comes to mind. I'll just give you one quick example. I have always been aware that the older generations pray a lot. And I think my life has been affected by older generations. And our family life has been affected. I think um, my mother-in-law, she would, she would have prayed very seriously for us. And so <coughs> I've tried to pray regularly for our grandchildren and I came across this verse a few years ago it's it's not on the powerpoint it's Luke 2 52 it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man it was one of those ones where I'm not really sure what to pray and I felt God highlighted you know you get something jump out of the page at you So that is just something that I pray. I pray the grandchildren will grow in wisdom. They will grow intelligently. I pray they will grow well physically, that they'll be well and healthy. I pray they will have favor with God. I pray they will all come to know Jesus for themselves. But I pray too that they will have favor with man. They will have good relationships with their parents with their school teachers, I pray they will gain favor on every front. Now, if I'm praying for the church, guess where I like to go? Back to Acts. And actually, also, I would pray, in, I would pray seriously into some of the prophetic words that we've had, and we've had some recently. So, God, God speaks, faith comes, and we need to pray into it and pray God's word into being. I want to just mention, (coughs) excuse me a minute, let's have a drink. I want to to just mention (coughs) these prayer cards. They're based around the Lord's Prayer. And there, there are a number of them on the connect point here, the connect point upstairs, <clears throat> and the front desk. 
This is just an outline of the whole of the Lord's Prayer, and I found it very helpful. So they're there. You can go and collect them and, and take one away with you if you'd like to. Okay, so we come on to our last point, that Jesus intercedes for us. And I've just chosen a couple of verses here <clears throat> from Hebrews 24, Hebrews 7, verse 24 and 25. Because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. And then in Romans, it tells us that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know how we ought to pray, what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So Jesus lives forever. He's able to save us completely. And he lives forever and he intercedes for us forever. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our praying and he intercedes for us. And he intercedes according to the will of God. So if God is for us, who can be against us? Now, Jesus' intercession actually started at the cross where he bore all our sin and he opened up the way to the Father for us. He interceded. He mediated between God and us who were far away from him. And you know, it is a legal agreement it is a mediated legal agreement settled in the highest courts of the whole universe. It was, it was a great exchange. And I love the verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. It just sums it up so well. It says, God made him, that is Jesus, who, knew, who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, we might become, that is us, we might become the righteousness of God. So on our, this side is all is us, all our sin, all our rebellion, all our wrongdoing. And on, over here is Jesus, the righteous son of God. So God laid all our mess on Jesus and he, he, he punished it. The wrath of God fell on Jesus for us and he, and he punished Jesus in our place. And in exchange, Jesus' righteousness over here, all that Jesus was, he, he placed on us. It's a great exchange. It's worth rejoicing in. So in Christ, we have a new identity we have new life. We have a new hope. We have a new family, a father. We have a new future and a new inheritance because we are now in Christ. 
And Jesus lives to intercede for us. We, <clears throat> we have free access to the throne of grace and confidence to become, come before God at any time. So Jesus, the Son of God, became man so that we, men and women, could become the sons of God. And that is the essence of the gospel, just that great exchange. If you don't fully know him this morning, you, you can cry out to him and ask him for that. And Jesus will take all that, you, all that is wrong about you and he, he will give you his righteousness in its place. I'm coming towards the end. Let's, I've got a quote here from an old chap, an old Puritan chap. His name is Thomas Brooks. Just listen to this. God's hearing our prayers doth not depend upon sanctification. It doesn't depend upon us getting more and more Christ-like. It depends upon Christ's intercession for us. Not upon what we are in ourselves, but upon what we are in the Lord Jesus. Both our persons and our prayers are accepted in the beloved, are accepted in Jesus. When God hears our prayers, it is not for our own sakes, nor yet our prayers' sakes, but it is for his sake and his son's sake, and his glory's sake, and his promise's sake. Wow. Do you get it? I'd love to read it again, but I don't think time allows. That, that leaves me speechless. That is an incredible privilege. It doesn't really matter quite how I pray. Jesus intercedes for me anyway. That demands my worship. God hears me because of Jesus. I cannot begin to know how, but he, he will unscramble even my way off wildest prayers. And he will answer in such a way that it is in line with God's will. And it will bring glory to his name. That is incredibly encouraging if you're a fairly new Christian, that is encouraging. You may not feel you, you understand much at all about prayer. And you're just praying and, and just talking, talking to God. So if you're just starting out, that is incredibly encouraging. He doesn't hear just your prayer. He hears it all wrapped up in Jesus. And actually, for those of us who've been at it for many, many years, I also find that incredibly encouraging. And you know, it's in line with some tantalizing promises that Jesus gives us. John 14, 13 and 14. Um, um, in John 14, Jesus says, this is Jesus' words, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you remain in me, this is John 15, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, 
and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory. That is tantalizing. Doesn't that draw you in? It's like Terry Virgo says, he offers you these things which you don't fully understand in your head, but he's drawing you in to come closer, to seek him and to get hold of him in it. So it seems to me that the more we remain in him, the more we grow in him, the more we seek the glory due his name, then the more our prayers will be in line with his will and therefore also in line with what Jesus is praying for us. Now there are mysteries because even the best well-meaning prayers don't always get answered as we expect. But we're not perfect and we have to remember too that in this life we have an enemy, a roaring lion. And if we just cast our our minds back to the Lord's Prayer, there's a line in there, deliver us from evil. So Jesus knows that. And I believe James knows that too. James is a church leader. James has a pastor's heart. And in the rest of this passage, you'll see that he is addressing a number of issues where the enemy can get a foothold. Do you know, sin is our own responsibility and we have to deal with it before God. Sin gives the enemy a foothold in our lives. And sin also will block our relationship with our Father in heaven. And James here, in this little passage, he cares very much about people's physical well-being. He's talking about praying for healing, but he also cares about people's spiritual well-being. And I, I believe that is just as important. And Jesus echoes that too in the Sermon on the Mount, when he's talking about not to worry about all, all the cares in life. He says to us, seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added to you as well. So we're coming to a close. We have to remember there are mysteries. God's ways are not our ways. We don't understand everything. There is a mystery element to God. If we understood him, he wouldn't be God, would he? He's got to be greater than us. He's got to be above and beyond who we are. But you know what? He doesn't call us to understand. He calls us to believe in him and to trust him and live our lives in the light of his kingdom. Unfortunately, I find it unfortunate. I don't know what the Bible translators do. I mean, who am I to say? But newer versions don't seem to include a final line of the Lord's Prayer as we know it. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. But as we come to an end, um, maybe we could have the band up, please. We're going to sing a song that declares that Jesus is, his is the kingdom, the power and the glory. And let's just remember who we come to. He is the cosmic Christ. Let's lift our eyes to him afresh.
If you don't know Jesus yet, or if you're on the way back to him, this is a good song to sing. You can use this remembering the great exchange that that Jesus has, has worked for you. And you can use this as a declaration of of coming to him, of fresh faith and trust in him. And for the rest of us, let's sing this with all our hearts. Yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Actually, um, I'm just going to pray too before we sing this. And then we give this song all we've got. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for who you are. Lord, you are sovereign over all. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you you performed the greatest act of intercession ever. You left the throne of heaven. You came to earth to be a man. You went from just not only the earth, but to the cross. You took upon yourself all the wrath of God for sin, for the sin of the whole world. And Jesus, we come to you in gratitude. We come to you, Lord, wanting to be caught up with you in your mission. We pray, Lord, may your name be hallowed. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth. Lord, I pray for people here. I pray, Lord, they will have a fresh understanding of what prayer is. It is intentional intimacy with their Father in heaven. I pray you'll inspire them afresh, Lord, to seek you. I pray you'll inspire them afresh, Lord, to take hold of promises in your word and to pray it into being and see it come into action in our day. Lord, I pray, I pray for us. I pray for us as a church. Lord God, I pray that we will have mighty times of prayer in your presence. Oh Lord, like that early church, may we be devoted to prayer. Prayer is perhaps the highest calling of all. Without prayer, Lord, we know not much gets done. Oh God, quicken our hearts again. Quicken our hearts, Lord, with a passion for your name. Quicken our hearts with a passion for your glory. Quicken our hearts, Lord, with a passion for your honour in every situation. And Lord, we look to that great day when you will come again. Lord, may we be found as a church that has made herself ready, that is dressed in fine linen, that is glorious, that has fought battles with you, Lord, interceding in this world, that has been your agent in the world, on the front foot. Lord, we come to you. Pour out your spirit upon us. Pour out a spirit of prayer, we pray. Yeah, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name.